Hi there, everyone. Welcome to Digital Nomad Mastery, the podcast and the video cast where we teach you how to make an income while, tra while traveling around the world. And we have our special guests today, Meg and Tomo. They are actually uh, known online for a few different things, everything from podcasting to the Travel Blog Summit to their own uh, website and blog. And I uh, used to actually listen to their podcast, uh, and that's when I came across them, and then I found out about their travel blog and then about the summit. So they're doing uh, a lot of incredible stuff for the digital nomad community, for other travel bloggers, really educating and supporting uh, the travel blog uh, community. Uh, so they're originally from uh, Bristol and Brisbane, <laughs> uh, so yeah. the BNB. Uh, so Tomo's from uh, Bristol in England, and uh, Meg is from uh, Brisbane in Australia. And uh, we're going to find out a little bit about how uh, the two bees met and <laughs> how they decided to travel the world together. Uh, so Tomo and Meg, uh, maybe you can quickly share a little bit of a backstory. I mean, you guys are from different parts of the world, uh, from England, Australia, and now you're in, living in Mexico of all places. Uh, so tell us a little bit of the backstory and your, your history. All right, well, yeah, go for it. You, it, it you love a, this story. It is a bit of a crazy story, I have to admit. Um, yeah, so before we started living a digital nomad life, um, both Tom and I separately have been pretty keen travelers you know, on our own. So um, it's coming up to about, we've been together almost seven years. Yeah. And uh, we originally met while working on a cruise ship. So technically we met uh, in international waters just outside of Copenhagen. Um, our first date was in France, in La Havre. Our second date was in Corfu, Greece. And our third date was in Sorrento, Italy. So <laughs> not too many people can say that they had those, uh, those first three days. So, yeah, we met while working on cruise ships, and uh, we decided that we wanted to, um, to stay together. So we moved together back to Australia, to Brisbane, to my hometown. Um, got regular jobs, like regular people, and, you know, got an apartment and started collecting crap, and, <laughs> as people do. <laughs> and um, we got a couple of years into that and realized that that wasn't actually where we wanted to go. It was um, the make or break. You know, you sort of get to that point where it's like, do we get a mortgage? Do we buy a house? Do we settle down and do that regular person thing that people do in their 30s? And we decided no. So we took the money that we would have used on a deposit on a house and we decided to travel and see what we could make of, of a digital nomad life. Yeah, and that was like five years ago almost now. Four and a half. Four and a half. Well, we started saving about five years ago and then left about half a year after that, something nine months, ten months. Um, and yeah, we figured we had about enough money to travel around Asia for 18 months. And then if we hadn't started making money online, we'd have to go back to Australia. And if we did start making money online, then uh, we'd just keep traveling and see where it took us. And it's now taken us to Mexico four years plus later since we left Australia. And so the business worked out. We were very happy about that. It was uh, it was certainly tough at the start, and we didn't make a lot of money in the first year and a year or so. But eventually, we sort of started bringing money in, and we've been upping that as we've been going through the years. And and yeah, so that's where we are now. Well, what a beautiful story! You know, the first three dates in uh, three different countries, meeting on international waters, living in Australia, now living in Mexico. Amazing, amazing. Yeah, definitely very inspiring. As uh, in terms of the, just a couple journey itself and staying together in, in spite of everything. So tell us about uh, the countries you've been to. I mean, uh, uh, obviously you went to those on your first date and you lived in Australia. Uh, what other countries and places have you visited over the last five to seven years? Yeah, so I mean, since we left cruise ships um, and uh, left Australia and started traveling around, we first went to Asia and we were there for uh, almost about it was almost 18 months. It was a little bit less, 14 months, I think. Uh, we went through Thailand and Myanmar, the Philippines, South Korea. We actually traveled overland across Mongolia from east to west. So that was uh, quite an adventure because we were in a, a van the entire way, and it's pretty much all off-road back then. I know they've put some roads in now, but um, three and a half years ago when we did that. Um, and... Yeah, then we flew over to Europe after that 14 months, and uh, we went around Europe for about a year and a half, Europe and North Africa, we did a bit of Morocco. Uh, I mean, the, the list is in insane. I think we did 45 countries now since we left Australia. So in four years, that's actually pretty hardcore travel, and that's one of the reasons why we're now gonna stay in Mexico for a year, 
Um, we've been here a few months already and we're going to stay here a lot longer because we're just quite exhausted. We've done a lot of buses, a lot of trains. I mean, you don't have to travel as fast as we did if you're looking at starting a location independent lifestyle. We did it and we've realized after doing it so hard that, yeah, it, it's, uh, it gets really tiring if you, you do it for that long. Yeah, we're looking for just a little bit of stability at the moment. Yeah, but of course, some people love that adventure and we've got lots of friends who've been doing this for a few years who are still going a new country every single month. And I'm like, wow, you really got a lot of endurance. <laughs> we definitely need a bit of a break and hopefully we'll get back to traveling again a bit more next year. There is no right way of travel. You know, uh, currently yeah. we are doing a little bit more of the quick travel, if you want to call it that, uh, the fast travel. Uh, uh, we are traveling for six months and we've been to about 10, 12 countries over the six months. Oh. So a little bit quick. And yeah, it's definitely getting on us in terms of uh, exhaustion, uh, feeling tired. And by the way, we're doing it with three kids too. So it, it ups the ante in terms of uh, difficulty with the kids. Uh, so we're actually uh, slowing things down. I mean, uh, uh, we uh, were in the Guyanas for a little bit. Now we're actually in Trinidad in the Caribbean. In Colombia, we're definitely going to slow it down because it is one of the meccas, if you want to call it that, of the digital nomad world uh, in Medellin. So we're going to definitely uh, slow it down there. So I can relate on so many levels in terms of getting tired and uh, wanting to see the world, but sometimes you just need to um, uh, stabilize and uh, uh, plant your roots, if you will, and then uh, travel around the base, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think we're in a really prime spot for doing that in Mexico. We've still got this really fantastic quality of life and uh, low cost of living, so we can go out as much as we want. We can enjoy the local food and culture. But we're also only sort of like an hour and a half flight away from the U.S., we're an hour away from Cuba, which we intend to try and visit either this year or the start of next year. Um, yeah, and once again, like uh, Colombia, a few hours flight, you can get uh, flights down there from here, from Mexico City as well. We recently just took it's, a trip to Belize. Yeah, we just well. went to Belize. We just took a bus ride to Belize. It's like six hours away from where we are. So it's not like we're missing out on anything because we actually haven't spent any time in this part of the world. This is the first time uh, on this trip in these four years that we've been in the Americas, so literally Mexico. Cruise ship. We've done these. Done bus. some bits on cruise ships, but it's not quite. It's the like same. a day in a day. You know, you're out yeah. after a day. <laughs> yeah. So, so uh, you did settle in Mexico, and you've chosen uh, Merida. Tell, tell us about uh, out of all the digital nomad places in Mexico. There's a few. I, I've interviewed a few guests uh, from uh, San Miguel, for example, and then um, you know, obviously Mexico City, and maybe the Baja. Um, you know, obviously the, the, the tourist hotspots, uh, uh, you know, tell us about um, what made you specifically choose that area of Mexico uh, to settle for now. I feel like uh, we didn't choose it specifically because it was a digital nomad hub. And I know a lot of people do want to stay in those places. And we, we've done like Chiang Mai and stuff. And we, we love meeting other people. So it's not like we're against doing that. Um, the main, some of the main reasons we decided to choose Merida was because it's, got this beautiful history. I think it's the third oldest city in Latin America, 1542 it was founded. Um, so the history is incredible. It's this mixture of Mexican and Mayan. So you've got two different cultures that have come together uh, and formed this great um, food culture. Uh, it's also the capital of culture for Latin America 2017. So there's a huge amount of press and there's a huge amount of cultural events going on this year. And um, well, largely, just there isn't a lot of bloggers covering it. Travel bloggers aren't living here and doing this. There's a few expat blogs, but um, the tourism is growing really fast. It's a very quick developing market. They've got direct flights in and out of the US, direct to Merida now for quite a few major cities like Houston. Um, and so it's, it's a very fast growing area and we're sort of ahead of the game. Whereas we've seen when you go to a place like Chiang Mai now, if you want to write about Chiang Mai, although it's a very popular destination for digital nomads, uh, in terms of attracting um, income from tourism, which is obviously the business we work in tourism a bit more than we work in digital nomad um, life, uh, then it's a little difficult because there's thousands and thousands of writers already living in Chiang Mai, writing about Chiang Mai on their travel blogs. How are you going to cut through that? Whereas we're competing with about four or five other blogs to write about here, and they're all about expat life. They're not really about tourism. Everything else is in Spanish, as far as we can tell. Um, also, the internet's super fast here. We're on a 40 megabyte um, fiber connection right now. And um, so this, this is really important for us. So yeah, the food, the lifestyle, the history, the opportunity to actually build content around a place where we can actually then make revenue from that and um, very fast internet 
Uh, so yeah, I think the, the sort of people that we're actually meeting here are not really digital nomads, although we do have travelers coming through and we do meet up with them, we meet up with other bloggers when they come through. But we're hanging out with other expats, we're hanging out with locals, and we're sort of getting that feel. It's, it's like a little escape from business because we're doing business online all day and it's nice to when you go out in the evening to not just do business again, which we found in Chiang Mai, we were doing sort of 18 hours a day of business. It was business and sleep, business and sleep. And so, yeah, as we said, after four years of doing it, this is a nice little break to be doing life a little bit differently. Um, but in your first year or two years, I do highly recommend going to those hubs because you're going to get a big, much bigger advantage if you start to network with people. But we've sort of been through that stage, so it's nice to be doing something a little different at the moment. Yeah, you know, I like your criteria there. Some, uh, you know, good reasons for choosing a place. And uh, I like the fact that you've uh, differentiated based on not having a lot of blog coverage. I mean, Bali, obviously, it's another digital nomad hub. A lot of blog coverage. Um, Medellin, you know, quite a bit as well. And then, yeah, Chiang Mai, Thailand, uh, you know, tons and tons and tons of bloggers write about Thailand. For good reason. I mean, it's an amazing country. Uh, so tell us about um, some of your income generating strategies, not just now, but since you left. Um, I'd love to hear the story. Uh, in terms of leaving and also, uh, you know, the ups and downs, because I think um, a lot of people don't share those things. And that's part of uh, the, the the journey, right? It's not just, okay, I made it. This is how we make income. But tell us a little bit about the, the rocky road, if you will, on your way to uh, Mexico. Well, as we said, when we first left Australia, we'd saved up, um, it was about 30,000 US dollars that we had saved to. And we knew that that would last us maybe about 18 months of travel. Um, the first thing we did was actually we went to Myanmar. We went to Thailand for a little bit and then we hopped over to Myanmar and traveling through there we realized that the Lonely Planet hadn't been through in a couple of years and everything was out of date. All the, everything, all the information that was out there was completely incorrect. And so we did a month through Myanmar, got back to Thailand and we were like, dang, we need to like fix this. We need to write an ebook. And so we just sat down and we solidly like, well, we, we realized before we left. So we, we were we, already collecting information yeah, collecting as we went through Myanmar to update things and write an ebook. So we, we walked around to hotels and hostels. We looked at the rooms. We took, wrote down the prices. We paid attention to how much bus fares were and in the different classes of buses and whether, what the roads were like and how things had changed and what visas were and what, you know, all that sort of stuff. And uh, we wrote it all down. We put it into an ebook in, in the first six months of being on the road, we had an income source. That ebook e went up on Amazon and we, we put it up there as a alternative source to Lonely Planet. Not everyone likes Lonely Planet. So we were like, here's your off the road, you know, um, alternative source. And we're like, Lonely Planet isn't up to date at the moment. This is the book that you want. And we sold that and we did, we did quite well selling that. And that was, yeah, as I said, in the first six months we were making an income uh, through that ebook. Yeah, and I guess things have come full circle. We've, we looked back at that and gone, that was the first way we made money, and it was because we went to a destination that wasn't being covered. And it sort of it, it clicked again, like we should go and cover a destination that doesn't have all this information already out there, because this is a, a really nice opportunity and a nice easy way to be the authority on that destination, because no one else is really competing for that position. It's an easy way to get to the top of the market straight away. But anyway, that, that's the day. So um, after that, I guess um, we had that initial success with that, which helped bolster our savings a little bit. So we weren't just eating savings. We were actually making, a, a, we were making loads of money. You know, we were making like a few hundred bucks a month extra, which when you're traveling off a thousand dollars a month, a few hundred bucks a month extra, actually, that really makes quite a big difference when you're traveling on a budget. Um, and so after that, we sort of we sort of floundered around a bit, going like, okay, what do we do next? Are we going to write another ebook? And we just went and lived at the beach in Cambodia, and we wrote blog posts. And I think we went through this natural evolution that we've seen a lot of bloggers go through, where you feel like if you just create a whole bunch of blog posts, eventually you'll, you'll make money. And uh, of course, we've learned in hindsight that doesn't really work. Um, you can, if you create the right blog posts in the right way with a, a dedicated business strategy, then that, that does work. But if you just create journal entries about stuff you've been up to, uh, you can really struggle to make any money off of that. Um, so that, that was sort of the, the biggest change, maybe like a year or so after we'd released that ebook, and we hadn't really, we started making some money from affiliates here and there on the website through articles we put out. We'd done a bit of SEO, and so some of those articles were ranking for things like a packing list, 
we actually managed to get up to rank at the top of Google, so we were actually getting regular clicks through to Amazon. Um, these sorts of articles uh, were making us a little bit of money, that was helping out. But we got to the end of the year and went, look, we still need to be, this was like the end of 2014, we need to be making at least sort of $1,000 to $1,500 every single month consistently, otherwise we are eventually, the savings is going to be completely gone because we'll, we'll slowly be just depleting that and we're not going to be covering the costs of what we're spending. And so we really need to sit down and figure out how do we actually make more money out of this? We can't live off a few hundred bucks there and a few hundred bucks there from selling books and stuff. Um, so yeah, we, we signed up for some courses, we signed up for some affiliate courses, um, we, we went to TVEX, um, which was a, a really positive start for us. We hadn't been to a travel conference before. Uh, we met lots of people there. We were asking them about how they were making money. And this led into us um, starting a podcast, which was basically asking people how they're making money, which I guess you're sort of doing here as well. Exactly. That's exactly <laughs> what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, I mean, it's a great way to get information out of people um, that they might not normally just share on a blog post. It's a much easier way to just have a chat with people than to say, I mean, we get people emailing us with like a list of 30 questions going, can you answer these questions and send them back? And I'm like, no, it's going to take me like three hours to do that. I haven't got time to do it. We're busy. Um, so yeah, then, then we started doing that. And once we started asking people really, how are you actually making money? We realized, oh, well, we have sort of, we've had a few good ideas, but we haven't had enough good ideas. And now we need to start implementing things other people are doing. Um, we got a partnership with World Nomads. They sponsored our podcast. Um, we, we realized we needed to get published in some bigger magazines so that we could have those bylines behind us. So we got published yeah. in Daily Mail, Yahoo, other things. We just, we pitched and pitched and pitched until they took a story off of us. And it was literally like a one week project, which all we did for the entire week was, was pitch different editors over and over again with a different format of the idea until someone went yes. And then it got syndicated across a whole bunch of different newspapers. And then from that, other people contacted us saying, we saw your story in the Daily Mail and blah, blah, blah. And that got a lot of traffic to our site, a lot of email sign up so it all sort of just went from there when we actually sat down and went, we need a strategy and we need to see it through and um, then that's when things started to change and we started to see that see actual real results yeah so the podcast and focusing on freelance writing really helped put some money in the bank um yeah having that sponsorship and then yeah we just we pitched as tom said we pitched and pitched and we yeah we went down the freelance writing which a lot of people do. Um, you know, you can. You know, there's some there's some publications out there that'll pay you forty bucks a post. And don't go with those publications because there are people out there that are paying four hundred dollars a post, and that's what you need to be aiming for. And that's what we were doing. We were we were hitting those people up, and then we, they were liking our content. And they were coming back and asking us for more. Um, the good thing is, I'm. I mean, I personally am not a massive fan of freelance writing. It's not my passion. It's not my love. Some people love doing it so we eventually after that got to another point where we were like i was like i don't want to do this i don't want to do the pitching i don't really care about writing for other people what's the next step and uh that's when we kind of came up with the idea of running the travel blog summit um i didn't yeah didn't want to be doing freelance writing and so we were like through the podcast lots of people were writing us emails and asking us questions and it was just sort of an evolution that went from the podcast and having guests on there to putting it together in an entire virtual summit. And the first one went over five days, one week, like one sort of long weekend, shall we say. And we asked a lot of people, we focused on um, affiliate sales, on freelance writing, on SEO, on sponsorships, paid campaigns. And we just reached out to people that we knew were nailing it in the industry in those particular areas. And um, some people said no, but then a whole bunch of people said yes. And we got them all together and we did um, video interviews with them and we did some live interviews as well where people who were attending the summit could then do Q and A's and stuff like that. And um, that happened 2016, that was our very first summit. And then we only just a couple of weeks ago finished summit number two. So. That's where we're at today. <laughs> yeah, and of course we're still, we, we're always working on our travel blog in the background and we, we'd already established a, a solid amount of affiliate sales based um, income through that. And uh, when we actually get time, we go back and try and improve that more and for the rest of the year we're, we're looking to increase that significantly. 
Um, we, we did put a, a large amount of time into running the summit. So last year, we didn't put as much time into running the blog, and we sort of we ended up flatlining at the same sort of income that we had for the, the previous year as well. We didn't really grow it very much, which was something that we looked back on and gone, we, we put so much time into to working on another project that um, we sort of neglected that. So that's why the rest of this year, we're massively going to be focused on just pushing that to the next level. And we've learned so, so much from all of our speakers that we've had. I mean, we've had over 30 different guest speakers in the last two years for these two events. And uh, each one's like an hour. I, I think I tell people that I'm probably the, the most accomplished pupil of the course because I have, I've helped build every single talk with the speaker. I've interviewed yes. every speaker, makes obviously interviewing them as well, but I've done a lot of the, the design work on the structures of the course. Um, I have edited every single talk. I've done the full notes for every single talk, like the handout. So I've gone through every point, listed it down. So I've, I've literally absorbed every piece of knowledge that I could possibly absorb from 30 plus hours of talking to these experts. And the information is dense. We don't have a chat with them. We actually really, we go bam, this question, this question, this answer, this answer. We, we really focus very hard on making it as dense as possible. So the amount of information I've now taken on, I'm just sitting here bubbling with, like I need to go and implement all of this stuff because we've learned so much from these guys. There's a lot of six-figure bloggers out there who've participated. Um, they're doing so well, and the methods they use are, I, I just had no idea that's how they were doing it. So yeah, I'm sure we, we've probably got to the point of rambling now. This is four years worth of information <laughs> condensed, down, I can imagine, yeah. condensed into like 10 minutes of us trying to explain how we've got to where we are. So. Yeah, there is a lot to talk about, I guess. No, it, it's actually really good that you did uh, share that way because I think um, it's important to share, um, you know, what things were working, what wasn't, and then uh, now you launched, uh, you uh, focus on something that was uh, good and then uh, neglected others. And that's a very common story, I think, with the entrepreneurs. Uh, they call it the shiny object syndrome where you're just focusing on one thing and then you neglect everything and then you you find another shiny object syndrome. So very common struggle that we all face. Uh, and uh, I think it's a normal struggle. <laughs> Focus. Yeah, yeah. I think it's important for us this year to, um, to really focus on our business. Because although obviously the summit is also our business, we feel it's sort of everyone else's business because it's all of these guest speakers who've put their time and their knowledge into it. And we, we're just hosting it. So yeah, we really, really feel like it's time to focus on our blog and, um, and make that uh, bigger, bigger than the summit is really. That's, uh, that's our goal. So uh, I would love to do a deeper dive into the summit itself. Uh, and by the way, um, uh, you know, uh, for the people watching and listening, I'm actually doing a summit as well uh, this fall in November called Digital Nomad Mastery. So uh, currently we have Digital Nomad Mastery uh, I do private coaching on how to be a digital nomad. I have a mastermind group every Wednesday night. Also have a Udemy course on uh, it and also a podcast and a video cast. And finally, we're going to be launching this big summit in the fall. So uh, I would love to learn a little bit from you. That That's one of the beautiful things about uh, being a podcast host. You can pick people's <laughs> brains. Um, yep. So tell us about the summit in terms of uh, what made you actually run it that way. Because um, you could obviously do a whole bunch of interviews and just throw them into a uh, course put them in Udemy or self-hosted, et cetera. So tell me a little bit about the origin story of what made you um, uh, uh, run it as an actual uh, live summit. I think we, we've we actually worked in live events for like working on a cruise ship. I was a musician, Meg was a host. So we, we both sort of already had that thing and we identified that uh, all of our competition in this industry all just have course. And there was no one running any sort of live event. Um, yeah, once again, we go, well, if you, if you do something different, rather than just try to do something the same as what your competitors are doing, but try and edge them out in some way, if, you, if you've got a different angle on what you're presenting, then that's going to get people's attention a bit more, and it gives you more of an opportunity to, yeah, people go, oh, this is different. I wonder what's going on with this project. This sounds really interesting. Um, it was also at a time where, in 2015, the virtual summit um, concept really had only just started running and I just happened to sign up to an email list with Naveed um, who is the virtual summit mastery guy he yeah, you know him, yeah. yeah I'm sure yeah if you're looking at doing a virtual summit you've probably already heard of him um, exactly 
So he had a load of resources about that, and he'd just done his, and he'd, um, he'd done very well off of it. And I think the thing that really caught my attention the most, it wasn't just about trying to make some extra income, it was the fact that he said, I've become, I've become an authority in my market because I am, I'm, I'm more knowledgeable by association. And this was the, the biggest point about running a summit. Uh, he, I have interviewed all of these really huge people. I now have their knowledge and I have all of their knowledge, which is what I was talking about earlier, all of this important knowledge based around the topics that you're talking about. Uh, and, and that gives an authority to you when you're running, then going back to your business. So us as travel bloggers, this gives us an extra authority because we, we actually do know about this stuff a lot, even if we haven't had time to implement everything that we've learned because there's so much that we've learned. But um, yeah, that was one of the main reasons we went with that. Uh, it was more of the competition thing. We, went, we want to do something different. We have a history of, of live speaking. We have a history of doing live interviews on the podcast. It all sort of just adds up for us to do something like this. And uh, I think it did really make quite a big difference. I guess you probably agree. Yeah, I think so. Um, people at, the, at that point in time when you were looking at sort of um, video courses and stuff like that, it gets a bit mundane having someone just talk at you. And I don't think that a lot of people necessarily were feeling that they were really getting the full impact where, I don't know, two people or three people sort of engaging with each other. And as we said, a lot of these people initially were our friends as well that we were sort of having a chat with. So there was like that camaraderie, a bit of, you know, messing around, you know, um, we made it fun and easy. And I think that's what people really enjoyed about the first summit was that it was just really fantastic information. We were asking the hard questions. We were really um, getting actionable tips out of these people, but it was entertaining to watch as well at the same time. So uh, for people who missed the summit, maybe you can give us a quick uh, Cole's note, especially around the area of what uh, makes uh, bloggers successful, because uh, it is called the Travel Blog Summit, and you mentioned you're, you're interviewing um, you know, all these six-figure bloggers. Most bloggers don't even make uh, 2000 a month, <laughs> let yeah. alone six figures. So it is very remarkable that you're able to find six-figure income earners in the blogosphere. Uh, so what do, uh, you know, um, full-time bloggers, if you will, uh, have in common? I, actually, this is something we've been, uh, we've been looking to produce a, a system, as it were, and I'm, I'm always refining it based on what we've learned. But uh, it comes down to a few really main factors. Um, the first one is thinking about your, your branding. A lot of bloggers, they just write a blog. It's based around themselves. Uh, it, it's not clear to the audience that's reading it necessarily how it's going to benefit them. And we call this the, the user-centric versus egocentric blog. Most blogs that people start are egocentric. Even when they do go, oh, I want to write this story for my readers, it still often ends up about them. And their overall strategy, like the, the core strategy for the entire blog rather than for each individual post, it's not cohesive. Like this week I'm in this country and I'm going to write about this. This week I'm doing this. This week I'm doing this. Um, and it seems to be, if you, don't, if you don't have that consistency and cohesion between what you're writing on, in the long term, uh, it means that you've got a group of people that come in, say, for your content on India. So you go to India and they're like, oh, I might be going to India, I'm going to read this. And then a week later you go, I'm not in India anymore and I'm not writing about India anymore. And they go, oh, I'm not interested in this blog anymore. It doesn't have any, like, no basis to me at all. I, mean, I know there are lots of different blog models. That's just one example of one way that it can. Um, mean that you don't you don't retain your audience as easily. Um, but then you look at some of the more successful bloggers, say like solo female travel bloggers, what they talk about is they talk about solo female travel. They're not a destination blog, although of course they visit destinations. They're always talking about things that are important to other solo female travelers, um, ways that they can stay safe, um, uh, ways that they can explore a destination as a, as a female, like the, the female perspective on it. So when they're focusing just on that and every article they write has some sort of anchor to that, then that means the audience can continually relate to them no matter where they're traveling. Um, so once again, that's just an example. There are many different ways to make this work. But of course, the word niche is something I'm sure your audience have heard, or niche, Americans call it. Um, and so and this is really what we're looking at when in terms of branding, having a niche brand that, uh, that really makes sense so that your audience will keep coming back so that when people first land on your blog, they go, oh, I understand what this blog's about. 
Because most people, and you probably do it, I do it, you land on the blog, you see a piece of content, that's what you arrive from Google to, you read through it and go, cool, got the information, I'm off. If you haven't captured their attention as well at the same time to go, actually, there could be other stuff here for you that would be really interesting, then you basically just got people coming through and disappearing. You never see them again. So yeah, that's the really important thing about branding is, is retaining uh, an audience, as it were, and building an audience faster. If you can retain them faster, you can also build it faster. Um, the other really, really important thing uh, is actually having a monetization strategy. This is, this is probably like the number one thing. Uh, people send us a lot of their blogs to do a quick critique. We just, you know, when people sign up to email us, we're like, if you want a critique, we'll pop through quickly and have a look. Uh, and just give you like 30 seconds, this is something I noticed that you could deal with. Um, one of the main things is just that they don't have anything in place to actually make revenue. And it's what I was talking about earlier, where people just write posts and, and then they expect money to suddenly appear. And I do know a couple of people who've achieved that method, and it's like literally a couple of people who you wrote. You have to be a brilliant You have to be writer. amazing, and you have to get the right press coverage to your blog to get enough people on there, and, and then you can build a big audience from that. But that, that's literally 0.001% of blogs. It is not a great model to follow. That is the absolute talent and absolute luck combined into one thing uh, when that happens. Uh, and it's great, those the people who are very talented who've achieved that, I, I'm not trying to put them down because they're amazing, amazing writers and that is why they've become successful. But we definitely don't feel we're as good as the top writers. We just feel like we're good enough writers that we can actually make a business out of it. But there has to be some sort of monetization strategy at the end. So if you write an article about your trip somewhere, how is that contributing to your bottom line? What is it at the end of that article when someone finishes reading it? Are they going to click on something that's going to make you money? Are they going to sign up to your email list, which will then ultimately make you money in the future once they've been through some emails and got more information from you? Um, are, you, are you trying to get companies to hire you? So are you writing articles for companies and then using that to go, this article got 2,000 people reading it this month, so can you hire me to write one for you and I'll get you 2,000 people to read your article? Um, loads and loads of different models. I think we've identified at least 20 different monetization models on a travel blog that you could use. And the question is, is anyone implementing them? And the people who aren't making a lot of money, typically they're not implementing them. Um, and then you've got to implement them correctly as well. So it's not just <laughs> not just knowing what they are, but actually doing it correctly. And multiple revenue streams as well. Yeah, having more than one thing can help. Just sticking with one that can, you know, you know, you could be making great money through Instagram at the moment as an Instagram influencer, and then suddenly Instagram falls out, and that's not the hot thing at the moment. And if you don't have other, you know, revenue streams, then you're broke. So you need to really make sure that you have a backup plan and you have a few different ways to make money through those monetization strategies. Yeah. And then uh, the final step, sorry, I know we're going on again, but <laughs> there's three, three main sort of steps. Uh, the final step is actually getting people to see your content. And this is something, of course, everyone struggles with. Uh, there is SEO, there is getting featured in large publications, um, there is social media marketing, of course. Uh, so. If people aren't coming to your content and your main sales strategy is to sell stuff through your content, then you're not going to make any money from doing that. So that's obviously really, really important. I think that's probably the one that everybody knows about. Everyone's like, I need more people to come to my blog and then I'll make money. But actually, that's like the, that's the end step. That's the, the final part of the process. Uh, everyone thinks they need the traffic first because that's the, the obvious intuitive thing. Surely, if I just had thousands of people coming to my blog, I'll suddenly make lots of money. But if you don't have a great brand that makes sense to your audience, you don't attract the right audience who are actually going to buy anything, and, and you don't actually have a strategy to make money from that audience that turn up, then having all that traffic is actually you're just paying for a big server to make no money. Uh, it's, yeah, it's not the way to do it. So yeah, that's, that's the final part, uh, actually getting those people there. You can so, see his brain is just overflowing. <laughs> I have too much information, I'm sorry. Well, that, that's good. I mean, I, I really appreciate the, the fact that you're sharing that stuff. I mean, uh, it is very valuable with those uh, points you mentioned, uh, things like focusing on the brand first, uh, focusing on the user, not yourself. I mean, guilty as charged. I focus too much on daddy blogger, for example, in my case, instead of the daddy blogger readers, the daddy blogger readers. So I need to remind myself uh, of that all the time. Uh, the niche, uh, focusing on your unique niche, 
uh, getting your readers, and then having that actual plan to make money, not just hoping, praying, wishing it will come to you from heaven. Yeah, it doesn't really happen. I think another really important point with branding before we move on to something else, uh, I've seen a lot of people say, especially with free resources, and of course so many people just rely on free resources, uh, this is why we ended up paying for courses because we realized the free stuff. Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's not good, you can't always judge that. But um, people say like, oh, branding, it's your name and your logo. It's not. Branding is partly your name and your logo. Having a name that people remember is great. Having a logo that people like is great. But the brand is really what is behind that. It is the, it's the persona and presence that you put online. It's the meaning of why your company exists and why your blog exists. It's, it's what people take away and remember from being uh, on your blog, what, what, they, what they think you are. And a name is not, that is not just what you are. It's the mission behind what you're doing. So if you have a blog and you've got, I've got a really catchy name, but I just write random posts about random things whenever I think of them, that's, you don't have a mission behind your brand and it's gonna be very hard for people to latch on to what you're gonna provide in the future. What is it that they're gonna get back from investing in being your audience? What is it they're gonna to get tomorrow? Can they expect to get, what, yeah, what can they expect to get? You've gotta be able to make that clear. You've gotta make that clear through your writing, you've gotta make that clear through your brand, you've gotta make that clear through what you post on social media uh, and be consistent with that so that people go, this is the person that posts awesome food photos every day, cool. And it's not gonna be, two food photos and then the next day a random close-up of their dog's face that you can't really see the dog properly or some flowers if you're the food if you're the food instagram account post food all the time that yeah so hopefully that's that's clear it's a it's a big topic and it's one of our biggest topics that we talk about all the time because it's the foundation of every business every successful business has a purpose behind it if you don't have a purpose it's very hard to communicate that to to followers and readers. And as Simon Sinek says, start with why, and that, that was one of my uh, favorite books in terms of uh, my business, in terms of uh, both my own business, but also uh, following other businesses are the ones that are actually purpose-driven, right? The purpose-driven businesses, the purpose-driven entrepreneurs, the purpose-driven bloggers, are the ones that are successful and I, I couldn't agree with uh, your points more. Uh, I want to definitely ask you a little bit more um, uh, about the summit in terms of the question about uh, the monetization um, strategy, if you will. You mentioned like 20. Uh, what would you say are the top three? Because um, uh, no one can actually do 20 successfully. I mean, you might do three and then, you know, build it up and then eventually get to 20. But uh, uh, what would you say are the common three that most successful bloggers have in terms of the actual cash flow coming in? Uh, number one is probably affiliate sales. Um, I, I would go half and half. Um, we're actually surprised uh, more and more with how many people actually do sponsored posts and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, lots and lots of people making good money through sponsored posts. Once again, uh, you've got to make sure that you're accepting quality. There's a lot of crap getting around out there. Um, but yeah, accepting quality sponsored posts or writing sponsored posts for other companies and stuff like that. A lot of people are making good money from that. Affiliate sales as well, where people, of course, putting hotel links and uh, tour links and all those sort of things, um, Amazon links in their articles and then SEOing them so that people come and they click and they make money. Um, the third one's probably a bit of a gray area because there's so many different business models. I mean, as we said, there's 20 different business models at least. Um, probably, I mean, just in general, it's sort of the sponsorship-based, campaign-based income. So it's where bloggers get taken out on a trip and they get paid to do it or they get taken out and they sell all of their photos and all their writing. Uh, I mean, there are a lot of people doing freelancing. I mean, in some ways you could say freelancing is the most, is the third most, but it's also, it's also it's like- taking away from it's your business. You're writing yeah, for someone right, else. Someone. While you get that link back to your website and that's fantastic, unless it's still on the same, unless you're, if you're a food blogger and you're writing on food websites and it's bringing fruit, like foodies back to your blog, yeah. Then absolutely, that I would see that as a as a as a similar sort of um, business money flow sort of thing. But if you're writing just, I mean, as we were, we were just writing sort of anything that would get taken. You know, <laughs> it's like this. What are the best budget destinations for this year? Or you know, what's where and blah blah blah. Or you know, whatever it happens to be. If it's all over the place and it doesn't necessarily have a focus to come back, you know, to bring an audience back to your blog, then it's it's a way to make money, but it's not necessarily a way that you're monetizing it. 
Yeah. Awesome. So those top three, um, you know, sponsored posts, affiliate marketing, uh, even creating your own products and services, right? Like, um, I mean, a lot of bloggers end up creating their own stuff uh, just because then they have full control. With affiliate sales, you don't have full control. Yeah. Uh, posts, not as much, right? The problem is, I've seen this a lot with travel blogs, although I know some people are doing it. Of course, we've interviewed people who have made their own products. Um, you look at a lot of the products out there that bloggers are selling that are their own products. A lot of it is like training on how to start a travel blog. Or, um, yeah, there's not really that many travel blogs that seem to have built their own product. Um, there are some who have. Uh, for example, Maroc Mama. She has a tour company based in Morocco. Uh, where sidewalks end. He's also got tours based in, in Thailand. Um, so they have created their own sort of product. There's lots of people doing tours. But in terms of actually. Ebooks and stuff are obviously prints. products as well. Um, I know um, Jody uh, from uh, Legal Nomads, she's currently working on a celiac. Um, flip book of sorts so um so she, so people who are celiac can travel around the world and they can have like i think they've got little cards that they can show people in that language to be like i'm a celiac i can't have you know wheat and gluten and stuff like that so i think she's working on that sort of product uh which is very unique of course she's celiac and that you know that makes yeah. sense to do stuff like that but uh, i don't think there's a lot of people that have done like a massive product like no, I don't know anyone that's released like a new backpack you know innovative backpack or travel suitcase or you know a new innovative product I'm not saying that they, they, they couldn't they could but it's but just most of those products seem to be a business that designed a product and then went let's build a travel blog around the product like um, Tortuga I think they they already had come up with the idea they were entrepreneurs and then they went well the best way to sell this is to have a blog that gets Loads of people on our blog all the time reading our content, reading our packing lists, and then we go, by the way, we've got the best uh, digital nomad backpack in the business or whatever. Um, so yeah, they sort of did it the other way around. I, I can't name that many success stories which have produced a really, really big product of their own beyond courses and eBooks. Yeah, and well, tours, yes, of course. So those, those are sort of the main ones. I just, I don't know, it's, Feel free Maybe if anyone, okay. if anyone out there can Please correct contact us. us. Let us, know. Contact us. Yeah. We'd, be, we'd love to interview some people who've done really successful work on, on their own product. But uh, so far, we haven't seen that being uh, like a out of this world, oh my God, you've actually they owned just, the industry. Yeah, they just nailed Extra the Kickstarter campaign and, and yeah. created this revolutionary head pillow. Yeah. But I mean, it's good. We've, so we've made a lot of money through selling ebooks about travel. Uh, and lots of other bloggers have as well. So, I mean, there's nothing wrong with having that, and I highly recommend doing that. It, it worked really well for us. Uh, I just haven't seen it being, like, out of this world. I think Nomadic Matt, he released a book on, on how to travel cheaper, and that's probably the most successful ebook I've seen because um, he got a publicist to get him in the, the bestsellers list or something. I think he got a lot of um, press out of, out of releasing that. And Gloria so just released sales. a book as well, yeah. and I think she's done really well. She's, got, she's built a very loyal, massive book. Her book is about her, I believe. It's she's about, an egocentric. It's about her. I mean, people love her, and she's fantastic. Sorry, we're talking about... I don't about say that in a Blog Abroad, Gloria from Blog Abroad. We love her. She's awesome. She's very entertaining. She's written a fantastic book. And it's, she's but a great it example is about her. Of, yeah, she's yeah. a great example of how an egocentric blog can work. She's also a brilliant writer, and that's really why good. those two come together, and she's created a very, very loyal fan base. And she also has a fantastic niche as well because she's a solo traveling um, African-American female, um, which is not very common. So she's got a fantastic niche, a very loyal following, and she's a brilliant writer as well. So she's just released a book as well, which I believe has done very well. But anyway, we're getting on to <laughs> We're rambling again. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's all good, all good. And uh, you know, I'm glad you're mentioning all these kind of case studies, if you will, because a lot of these bloggers I can definitely relate with and I can, uh, uh, you know, I, I'm familiar with them through the blogosphere. And, uh, you know, when I was talking about products, I was referring to more uh, of those video course type products. I was talking more about those uh, ebooks. Um, and in terms of services, things like coaching, masterminding, some people might have an e commerce store, um, those kind of things. Like, uh, but yeah, no major products. And I'm also looking to interview uh, someone with those things. So you'll get a double interview. <laughs> if you reach out to us, you'll get an interview from both Meg and Tomo and myself because uh, uh, it, it seems like uh, yeah, people who are blogging and traveling would actually uh, realize, oh, 
this is a big need. We need to solve the problem. Let's create a project. This is a big need. Let's create a service for that, right? Like kind of a problem uh, solution centered approach. Yeah, the, there are a few problems out there that we've definitely identified, but I haven't yet seen a gap in the market for a product. And a lot of the things like um, like traveling cheaper, obviously Matt released his book years ago, so he got in there at the time before everyone else had done it, but now the internet is littered with information on how to travel cheaper. And it's traveling cheaper is a relatively simple process, I guess, I mean it takes time to learn it all, but you don't necessarily need a, an $80 course or a $100 course on how to travel a bit cheaper. It just, it doesn't, people don't want to pay that much money. Him selling a $10, $15 ebook makes a lot more sense. Um, so that's probably why we haven't seen anyone release products like that. Uh, I know, yeah, travel guides and um, those sorts of things, you can charge a little bit more than $10 for uh, on some occasions. And uh, I, I've heard about some mini courses that people are selling, uh, but it's, yeah, it just hasn't been big money. We haven't had anyone turn around and go, well, I made a million bucks this year of, <laughs> of selling this product. I made 100,000 of selling this product. Just haven't seen it, but got it. Uh, absolutely. Uh, so also talk a little bit about the difference between, um, you know, when people do sponsor trips uh, or, or get sponsorships, usually it's a trade, right? Uh, I, I know in my case, at least, uh, there's so many pitches all the time. Uh, can you review this product? Can you review this service? Can you do on this trip, etc.? But uh, a lot of them don't actually have a budget to actually pay. Um, so talk more about that. We're, uh, we're free, in kind, kind of a barter situation and actual cash because the barter Free stuff doesn't pay the bills, does it? No, certainly doesn't. So you need to sort of, well, one of the things we talk about a lot in uh, in the summit and the course we brought you know, that goes along with it is, is valuing your time and what is your time worth. So if it comes down to products and stuff like that, if it's a product that you really love and you want to get in there with that company, then, you know, we don't think there's anything wrong with working for free to get your foot in the door. I mean, there's a lot of, Businesses, you know, you've got to do an internship to do certain things or Tom started out as a musician and he certainly had to, you know, either do a couple of free gigs to get noticed or, you know, certainly at a cheaper price. And then when people are like, hey, that person's really good, that's when you start asking for the bigger money or you work with them again and again and you're like, hey, now it's time for you to pay me. Um, we think the same thing. We've got a, a whole um, section on it in the summit from last year on paid campaigns. And there's actually a lot of bloggers out there that are they're either A, straight up they're big enough and they're saying, listen, you want me on this, you need to pay me for it because I'm big enough and, you know, that's fine. I don't think a newbie blogger has the authority or sway to do that. And I think it's arrogant to do it, actually. Sorry, I'm sure there's a bunch of people getting, you know, pissed at me right now, but I think it's arrogant to ask for money straight off the bat, um, unless you can prove your worth. A lot of people are saying um, what they do is they say, yep, I'll come on your trip um, you know, for free, you know, you pay, pay my way, you pay all that sort of stuff. But in turn, I ask that you purchase one of my photography packages. For example, if you happen to be a photographer or you happen to be, you know, a drone operator or something like that, you purchase one of my videos or purchase a segment or you purchase 10 photos and blah, blah, blah. Um, that's one way you can do it. Or also, there's a lot of people that take those trips with an idea in mind, and these are the freelancers, to reach out to particular publications that they know will be interested in an article from that destination. So they get the free trip, they get everything included, and then they, they're like, hey, Yahoo, you want an article on this? Hey, Matador, you want an article on this? Hey, whoever, you know, and that's how they're getting paid from yeah. it. And also just because you're getting sent to these places for free, you've got no outgoing costs and you plan the content that you're going to build to make money around the trip that you're doing. So you, you research in advance what sort of SEO terms are going to be good for the destination that's going to hire you. Is it worth going to this place before you accept the trip? And can you figure out how are you going to make money from that? Well, obviously, affiliate sales is a great way to do that. Um, so you would build the article, you'd make sure you include a bunch of affiliate stuff in there. And so you look at more of a long-term return uh, rather than spending two grand to go somewhere and then build the content, you go, okay, you send me here and I'm going to build content that's going to make me two or $3,000 over the next six months. And that has, you know, it's only, it's taken me a week to go off to the place and do it and you pay for all that. And you, yeah, you just have to figure out where is that income actually coming from? 
So yeah, there's quite a few different methods there. Uh, we've interviewed different people about pretty much every one of those in more more detail. Um, but but yeah, actually getting paid for the trip, yes, it is a little bit difficult. We've done it a couple of times, um, but a lot of the time we just go, is this trip really relevant to our readers? Is it going to be something that we can ultimately sell to a publication or make money from by having on our blog? And if not, we turn the trip down or we ask for money. Um, and we have got to a point now where we're actually quite busy anyway, so we say, well, if you're not going to pay us or take a photo package, we're not coming on the trip. Thanks for the offer. And so, yeah, you you know, most no. people are going to say most people are going to say no. Uh, but it, yeah, I think we found at the start we took a lot of free trips, and of course it was a lot of fun. But then we realised like we we now have to write all this content. We have to figure out how to make money from it. Um, this isn't very relevant for our audience, but we wanted to do it, so we did it. And then, then we're like, well, we're not really going to make much money off of this. So we make little bits of money here and there. So yeah, you have to decide, do I want lots of free trips or do I want to start making money? As soon as you've got past that honeymoon phase of wanting lots of free trips and just going off and having a wonderful time, you then have to sit down and go and say no to, to anyone who's not going to fit for you and it's not going to make you any money at all. So uh, you've collected all of this uh, wisdom from uh, successful bloggers. How have you applied it to your own blog? Well, that's what we're doing at the moment. <laughs> um, we have applied. Um, we have already applied lots of stuff last year as well. But uh, we we have been just epically busy. Not just with the summit. We also took on another project with someone else that's not travel related. Uh, it just it seems like the time slips away. But we did we did manage to start implementing uh, the whole the whole branding stuff that we really focused on in early 2016 with the first summit. Uh, we've done a complete rebrand overhaul of our site. And we're, we're currently in the process of setting up an SEO audit to grow the traffic more and uh, an affiliate audit to go through and put in more uh, specific tracking and better wording for the affiliates. It actually makes a really big difference, and we've seen this from so many different bloggers now. The actual wording you use where you place your affiliate link, that can make the difference between a, a sale or not a sale uh, or a click or anything. It, just the difference of one or two words can actually um, make a huge impact yeah. on your affiliate revenue. And we've seen these results coming from people uh, just in the last few months saying, I changed the words, just like uh, one of our guest speakers said, and I suddenly started making money from this article. I'm like, yep, that's it. It, it can be that simple. So uh, that's another thing we're going to be going through pretty much all of our old content to analyze. The, the posts that we already have a lot of traffic to, go through and see if we can increase the amount of affiliate revenue they're making. We've got old posts that get traffic that we've probably never even implemented affiliate stuff to because they're like two or three years old. So it's things like that we're going to need to fix. Um, we're also yeah. doing a strong push, sort of. We're not giving up on social media, but we're sort of moving more towards email marketing um, yes. instead of social media. Uh, social media is just a little bit too unreliable. You don't know what's going to happen with what algorithm on what day. So, I mean, we still have a presence there. I mean, I'm still very active on social media. However, we're really wanting to put a lot more focus and time into our email lists and, yes, and yeah. really SEO and email lists and really building and nurturing relationships with our followers there. Yeah, and I think on social, the, the best thing we've seen from social, it's not necessarily about selling to your own audience. It's about connecting with someone else's audience. Uh, that seems to be the, the biggest benefits that other bloggers are getting. Now, of course, once you've built your own audience of hundreds and hundreds of thousands, then yes, of course, you can you can do very well. But if you're a relatively small blogger uh, or medium-sized blogger, then actually uh, creating content that other people will want to share rather than relying on your own accounts to get traffic uh, is the way that you can grow your business. So that, that's going to be a massive um, difference for us. It does take time to make those connections. We already do have sharing groups and stuff, but I think our, our goal is to reach out to, to people who have a vested interest in the content we produce, like tourism boards, etc. And, um, and that's been working really well for other bloggers. Uh, and those people share it, and you're getting shared out to hundreds of thousands of people, and you only needed to spend like 20 minutes discussing this with a tourism board rather than years building a following. You just get the content out there. So yeah, spreading our reach is another big goal of this year. And you know, uh, that's something I need you to do too. I have uh, so many blog posts, I think over a thousand now over the last five years of blogging. Definitely need to go back and fine tune it, uh, change the copywriting if you will, uh, uh, you know, adding those affiliate links because it's all content, it's all uh, driving traffic. 
but unfortunately, some of them, or most of them, are not actually making uh, cash. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, there's actually an, uh, an auto linking plugin from Affiliate Window that we use. Uh, that it literally anything that you've linked in the past to like hotels or whatever that's based that they have on their platform. Um, as long as you've actually put a link in, not an affiliate link, but just a regular link, it actually automatically converts all of those to affiliate links. So if you happen to have already linked to hotels in the past, but you didn't know what affiliate sales were at the time, you can just install that plugin and within hours, it's uh, they, they told us a case study of one person who had built their blog around all of their crafts and doing Etsy stuff, and they had like hundreds and hundreds of links on their blog from years back that are all to Etsy and they didn't realize this plugin existed and they installed it and they started making like uh, a lot. I, I don't know, they wouldn't tell us what the figures were because this is someone's private account, but they instantly, within a day, was seeing revenue coming through their blog um, from all these old links. So that's, that's definitely something you can do. Um, if you haven't linked the stuff up, you do have to go through manually and actually link the stuff up, so it's a bit of work. Um, yeah, but affiliate sales, uh, it's been a, a constant income for us. Um, Pretty much, as I said, apart from the ebook when we started, that was the second revenue stream that we built, and then freelance writing after that. So we've we've had a lot of experience in doing it, and now we just need to go back and fix stuff and improve stuff and change the way that we create new content, and um, and then yeah, we want to grow that revenue so that we we don't have to put as much active time in uh, to actually uh, working. We want to have some time off once in a while. <laughs> Absolutely, you know, uh, being a digital nomad and uh, working overseas isn't just fun and games. You're not just uh, sitting on the beach, uh, you know, drinking margaritas all the time. You got to get down to business and work, work, work. And unfortunately, sometimes there's too much slanted in that area of work and not enough uh, sightseeing and travel. Yeah. So, so exactly. Tom and Mega, tell us more about the blog itself in terms of the content because I, I had a chance to look at some of your videos, uh, especially your food-related videos. Oh man, it made me hungry just uh, watching these videos. So share uh, what appetite, so to speak, about some of your blog posts and your content. So um, our tagline is "Food Worth Traveling For." So we are out there to inspire people to travel, and more and more people are taking an interest in food, and especially traveling the world in order to try particular foods. And we pretty much put our stomachs on the line for anything, mostly Tom, actually. <laughs> He'll eat anything. And um, so yeah, we just sort of um, travel around, we, um, yeah, we write about um, the different foods that we try. We try to focus on national dishes as well, like what is the food you have to try if you're in that particular place. And we always seek that out, and um, we try and find the best version, like, being here in Merida, Mexico, one of the popular Yucatecan dishes is queso relleno, which is a ball of Edam cheese that they've hollowed out and stuffed with minced meat that's all been spiced. And then they cover it in a white blanco sauce and then put some a little tomato sauce over the top and it's amazing. Um, so we have tried that many, many times, trying to find the best in Merida. So, you know, we do that sort of stuff. So, you know, if we say that this is the best, then we've, we've definitely done the groundwork to, you know, to tell you that, that is definitely the best. Yeah. Um, you've probably seen in the videos, we do have a segment called Tomo Eats Something Terrible, and uh, that's where you'll find him eating starfish and balloons. Well, actually, we both ate balloons. Tarantula. Tarantulas. <laughs> no, still, we, we are, uh, we're becoming more and more focused on vacation travel. That's been our, our goal over the last year or so when we did our rebrand. Um, so we were doing a, a little bit more budget end, and now we're, we're doing a little bit of everything. We're covering degustation experiences, and um, uh, we, we are getting back into video. We were doing a lot of video previously, but more recently we've just mainly done photography, but this year hopefully a bit more on the video front, because it is fun to film this beautiful food. But um, yeah, we, we identified a few sort of key problems when we did our rebrand and we were looking at how we were going to approach our, our branding and our audience. So what is it that people who are food travelers really, really care about? And um, one of the big ones for us especially, and I think for most food travelers, especially if you're on like a one week trip, you want to eat well at every meal. You don't want to have a disappointing meal over the seven days because you've only got the seven days, then you're going back home to eat what you regularly eat. So you've got seven days, you want to try every single one of those local dishes, as Meg was saying. So we come up with like, what are the best dishes, the things you have to try, and where should you try them, because this will be the best. 
And um, we also want to be this alternative authority to TripAdvisor. That's sort of our long-term goal. It's not going to be like TripAdvisor. It's going to be like the anti-TripAdvisor. So instead of basing it around reviews from tourists who've never been to that destination, never tried that food, turned up to the restaurant that was rated number one and went, oh, this is really good, and then gave it five stars, when actually if they tried any of the 10 restaurants down the street, they'd have had a better food experience. Uh, instead of that, we're, we're the opposite of that. We go like, we've actually been around to all the restaurants, and we, we're food professional food travelers. We taste things for a living. We get to do all of this stuff all the time. And, and these are the ones that we think they've actually they've nailed the, the dish. It's just been done better. Because um, yeah, we, we looked for find these restaurants when we go to a new destination, and you look on TripAdvisor, it's an easy way to try and find restaurants. And you read the reviews, and you sort of realize a lot of these people, yeah, they're just tourists on their one-week trip. They've never tasted this stuff before. They're not authorities. So we search out um, TripAdvisor reviews that are written in the local language, perhaps the person, like it says next to their profile account, like I actually live in this town or this region. So you, know, you, can, you can sometimes see where they're from. And so they we also look up like TripAdvisor, like if we're in Mexico, we'll look up TripAdvisor Mexico. So everything will come up in Spanish, so you've got to translate it all, but that's the, they're the, the local people that are reading that food and they know whether, whether or not it's good. If you're, you know, if you're in Morocco and you've got someone writing, you know, who came from Switzerland, and is saying, yeah, this is the best Moroccan food I've ever eaten. It's probably the first Moroccan food they've ever eaten. And of course, it's great. So, you know, it's that sort of distinction we're trying to make. We're we're trying to really like just be the authorities on, uh, you know, we want people to trust our bellies. That's what we want. Yeah. Awesome. You know, you have a great blog, uh, a great summit. So, if people wanted to find out more about what you guys do in terms of the blog, uh, you know, uh, trying out some of the delicious food, and also about the summit, uh, tell us a little bit about the avenues by which they can find you in terms of the websites, uh, the social media, and your email list. You mentioned email marketing. So, how can they get on your list as well? All right. Well, uh, if you want to come and find out more about the Travel Blog Summit, then just go to travelblogsummit.com. And on the homepage, you can sign up to our free members area, which just has some basic starter training. So just some introductions to some of the bits. Uh, the course is closed at the moment as of recording this, but possibly by the time people are listening to it, it might be open again. Uh, we hope to have that done later in 2017. Uh, but if you sign up to that, that list there, not only do you get access to the first few resources for free, but we'll also send you emails when we do actually open again so you can get access to everything else. And uh, for the blog, you'll find us at foodfuntravel.com, and uh, you will also find us on that in on the social media platforms as well. Just look up Food Fun Travel, and we should pop up on Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, and Facebook. Uh, also, if anyone's interested, we also do have a Facebook group called Food Worth Traveling For, and uh, if there's any foodies out there, come along and join, and then you can ask questions about food in particular destinations, share tasty food that you've been eating throughout the week, and, and just have a great conversation with other people that have a passion for travel and food. Yeah, and we've got a lot of food bloggers in that group who've been to destinations all over the world. So our, our goal with this group we only just started this in the last month or so. So it's a completely new group, but we've got a few hundred people in there already. And we want people to be able to ask the question, I am going to this city, where should I eat? What should I eat? And that's that's like the biggest goal, as well as to share your awesome food photos when you eat something new that's really amazing. Um, yeah, we want this to be a place where people can really just chat about food and find that food. Because we know we always want to find that best dish when we go somewhere. And we haven't found a group that really offers that yet where you can just ask and find out. We've always had to go through our friends and other blog contacts and be like, hey, Facebook Messenger, where, where should I eat? Or a personal Facebook page, where should I eat? And so yeah, we want to build this into a much, much bigger network for that. And how can people get on to that email list? You said uh, you know, people can uh, uh, get messages from you about updates, uh, offers, etc. Oh yeah, just jump um, straight to foodfuntravel.com and you'll see we've got a, our landing page there. Scroll down just below our video and you'll see that there will be a sign up for our top 10 uh, locations for food around the world. So our top 10 destinations and what we liked eating there. So you can sign up and get that free PDF and then you'll be on our foodie email yeah. list as well. We make it easy. Both of our sites, you can sign up to the email list within the first, like, the first 10 centimeters of the site or something. It's, uh, it's a really important tip for everybody. If you're not doing this already, uh, you will get a lot more email signups if you have a really clear call to action to sign up on your homepage. 
So if you want to get into email marketing a bit more, which we highly recommend, uh, it works really well for us and a lot of other bloggers, then, then do have those signups on your homepage. Make it real super simple for people. Absolutely. You know, uh, I love talking to you guys. You know, I could uh, keep going. Uh, this could be like a 10-hour podcast, uh, but uh, I want to value you guys' time and, uh, you know, what you guys have shared. Thank you, thank you, thank you uh, for that wealth of info, insights, and wisdom about blogging, uh, travel blogging, and much more. Thank you so nice. much for having us. Hope we haven't talked your ear off too much. <laughs> <laughs> not at all, not at all. My ears are open for you guys anytime. Uh, so uh, make sure you uh, subscribe to these guys on all the different social media. Uh, once again, it's food, fun, travel. Easy, foodfuntravel.com, food, fun, travel across the social media spectrum. Uh, also, uh, make sure you sign up for the email list to get that report and uh, to get uh, the resources on the Travel Blog Summit. And make sure you check out uh, travelblogsummit.com, uh, a great resource for uh, aspiring new and established bloggers. So thanks everyone for tuning in to Digital Nomad Mastery. If you're watching this on YouTube, make sure you subscribe. If you're listening to this on iTunes, make sure you leave us a rating and review, and we'll catch you in the next episode. Happy travels, everyone, and thanks for tuning in to Digital Nomad Mastery, where we teach you how to make money while traveling the world.